Welcome to all of my awesome first-time listeners. My name is Riley Smith, and I'll be your host and guide through conversations with some of the outdoors' coolest experts, storytellers, and hiking enthusiasts across the country. As an avid backpacker, car camper, and day hiker myself, I realized that the hiking podcast I wanted to hear wasn't out there. So why not do it yourself? Why Broken Laces is the title? Simply, if you've had broken laces, you've put a lot of miles on those shoes. Take a listen to episode zero to get a quick intro to the pod and our guest list for the season. Today, I talk with my friend Jeremy Jones, not the famous snowboarder, although I don't mind that his name may have brought you here. And I talk to him about his re-entry into the backpacking world as a father of two sons and an owner of a small business. Topics include what it takes to get into physical and mental backpacking shape, as well as advice on how to introduce backpacking to your kids. Our new segment, Trails and Ales, features Ketos Brewing, which makes me want to fly back to Salt Lake City to try them out. So enough introduction. Let's hit the music and get walking. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Riley. How you doing? Doing well. First pod. We're going to look back at this in like, you know, 10 years, of course, and you will be the first guest. I know. I don't know if I deserve that type of an honor, but may this be the cornerstone upon which you build a successful podcast. Nice. Yes. Um, I'm just thinking back to the days of, you know, where they go to Johnny Carson's first guest or Jimmy Fallon's first guest and like you're in that rare air now. So I'm I'm happy for you. I don't know how I feel about that. You got me all nervous now. (laughs) Well, the reason I wanted to bring you on is that... You know, the last time I saw you, we went and hiked uh, a pretty laborious, like 25 plus mile hike. And I know you've just picked up the hobby again. And I figured it would be great to talk to a friend who is just getting back into the hobby. And before I even get into that, like you grew up, we both grew up in the Rockies. We've done a lot of hikes in the Wasatch Front. And, and that was your first trip in the Sierras. Tell me, tell me a little bit about Rockies versus Sierras. Man, that's a two-hour conversation. I guess the first thing that I would say is I did not respect the Sierras at all. I had no idea what I was going into. I mean, I'd seen them from the top down flying over, um, but really didn't know what they were, what they were about. Having seen them firsthand, uh, they are uh, deserving of their reputation. Incredible, beautiful, extremely rugged. Um, They're amazing. Yeah, uh, it, there's no two ways about that. I mean, it's just a just a awesome landscape uh, that is different in fundamental ways from the Rockies that I've experienced. The hard part about that question for me is I just think I've spent more time in the Rockies and I've seen yeah. them all the way up in the top in Canada and then all the way down to you know the southern United States, and so. There's really a lot there. Yeah. It's tough to make that comparison, but uh, I would say that if you feel a call, you're not going to go wrong either place you go. Absolutely. And I'm envisioning like a March Madness bracket, of course, of like Rockies hikes versus Sierra hikes in the future. And I would need to come up with like 64 of those, which seems seems like a big ask right now. So we'll leave it at that. I, I love the word rugged there. Um And it is partly because we did like this crazy hike along the rim for six miles. 
um, yeah. where it was just like sheer face below us and sheer face above us. So that that might have been part of it, like, <laughs> uh, that we imposed on ourselves. But yeah, um, we'll definitely get into that a little bit later uh, in our new segments, Trails and Ales, as a little preview. Um, but I did want to get into the reason I called you, which is like, let's talk about how you picked up the hobby. Um, what made you kind of want to get back into it? Um, and then like a couple of the first hikes you did. So I'll just, I kind of leave it broad right now. Like why, why now, uh, you're, you're a father with a successful business of uh, a father of two kids, I should say, and probably not too much time. So what, what made you kind of get back into backpacking? Well, your intro there is actually more prescient than maybe you realize, uh, I, I suppose the support, the sort answer is that, uh, my job got too stressful. Um, so yeah. the longer answer, uh, is that I grew up going hiking. I mean, my father and I, that was what we did. We went hiking, we went camping, we just engaged with the wilderness and that was our enjoyment, our, our vacation, our activities together. And that petered off significantly, starting in college. It didn't have to, it was just, I was focused on different things. Um, but over the last couple of years as my business has expanded, that's been good. I'm not complaining. Um, but it's also become more stressful with that. And I think that in my moments of self-reflection, when I was wondering, Hey, why do I have anxiety? Why am I feeling like I'm missing something? That really became the answer is that I wasn't spending any time or as much time as I should have uh, outside in nature doing some of the, those things that I grew up doing. And uh, that, I think, really became the answer of motivating me to get back in and start doing that again. And then fortunately for me, in talking with my wife, she was interested as well in just getting out and enjoying that because we're so spoiled living next to the Wasatch Front. We can be up in the Wasatch Mountains in 35 minutes on trail, right? Right. And uh, fortunately, she was excited about that and, and getting the kids involved. So that was really kind of just the realization moment. And then luckily for me, I was able to do it small time here with the family. And then I have friends who are able to take me on bigger adventures. Right. So busy job. A willing and able partner to join you. Um, I definitely; those are common reasons that I come across as people needing to escape and just get a little bit of a refresh, or what I like to call like a defrag for those computer geeks out there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So you you make the decision. You're like, I need to get back into this. I know you had some gear from when you were, you know, in college. So I don't think like it was a big leap for you to just go from I know nothing about this to like having to go do it because I, th I think you had the background as you mentioned with with growing up doing it you had probably some of the old gear but like what did you have to do for our listeners out there like just getting prepared for this is is both a little bit of a mental a physical stretch and so what did you find that you had to do so you just didn't walk off the couch onto a trail to kind of get ready for your first couple of hikes well, that is um, a bad question to ask me. I guess <laughs> the uh, the two part of that is I did actually go off the couch. Um, yep. I guess it was 
um, about 18 months ago, maybe a little bit longer, yeah. I decided to do the Reflection Canyon um, in southern Utah. And I went with a buddy of mine who's a accomplished hiker. And yeah. uh, he kept telling me, you know, we should get ready. This is a little bit more legit. Uh, there's not a ton of elevation, but it's going to be long and it's going to be really dry. And I'm, I didn't take that seriously. I mean, I, it's been 15 years since I did high adventure scouting, you know, out for a week straight. And I just figured none of those skills had gotten rusty. Right. Um, and that was not necessarily accurate. I learned some lessons about hitting my absolute limit on that hike. Um, but as far as the gear question goes, I took all of my old gear on that hike so my old frame pack from, gosh, must be 20 years old now. Um, you know, I brought a full on entrenchment tool, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we had kind of been, uh, I guess perhaps unnecessarily trained in bringing, um, uh, you know, but m all my old, uh, my sleeping bag, my pad, some of those things have been slightly upgraded, you know, over the course of the years, but, uh, really just brought my established kit. Um, your, your antiques, that, we'll call them from now on. Yeah, that hurts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, probably fair. I mean, yeah. it, it was good gear. I mean, that was one place that my father and I never really let our frugality right. get to us too much as we kind of always had good camping kit, but, um, yeah, they're, they're a little aged, I think by the time I pulled them out of the basement to get on that first hike, but, uh, physically, uh, also probably underprepared significantly. Um, I remember getting in there at mile 10 and just really understanding that I was at my physical limit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just a body recognition of, hey, you know, my next step could really be my last step and yeah. that I'm going to be either sitting here for 30 minutes to an hour just trying to, you know, get enough back to make it the last 700 yards into our yeah. destination, or I'm going to be hurt. And then what? So that was a uh, rude awakening. An important, yeah. An important lesson for sure. Yeah. And I'm fortunate that I didn't get really hurt. Um, so I ended up making it in and it was amazing. Totally worth it. Um, perhaps the physical anguish I unnecessarily created for myself made the payoff better, but there was always the part of my mind saying, you're actually really lucky that you didn't hurt yourself coming in here. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we woke up the next morning to leave, I was more than nervous about my ability to make it back out. Um, I got lucky. Uh, the temperature was way down. We less, left a little bit earlier in the morning, the overall temp was lower that day. You just and had no cloud cover either. The first day coming in, I mean, we were totally exposed, you know, that it was 95, 96 yeah. or so. Um, and the second day as we came out, it was, it must've been eighties, low eighties, um, with, with some cloud cover. And so it was, a that was a lifesaver literally, but, um, we crushed the miles going out and they actually came out a lot easier than I was afraid of until the last two miles. And then it all came back and I just sort of trudged my way back. Um, 
again, fortunate to make it back to the truck. Uh, so that was, that was a lesson. Um, yeah. you got to take it seriously. Um, and, and I should have known better because the, the, you know, online articles, the, the blogs and the descriptions of that trail say, you know, look, this is not a, you, you know, you get up to 10 miles. It's that's legit distance. Yeah. They yeah, also yeah. said, look, you, this is a serious hike. Um, and I just overestimated what I had in the tank to do something like that. Right. So, so that, it en- ends up not being a gear issue for you, even though I'm sure there could have been improvements on, you know, weight and, and other things that you, sure. could, you could dig deep down and cut ounces. But it just seemed like it was a physical prep and a, and a mental kind of gap there. On, yeah, on getting absolutely. Back into it. Absolutely. Yeah. There was definitely a conditioning deficit. Uh, mm. Mentally, I think I was there just because I needed that trip so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was a, I think the rude part of that awakening was understanding, you know, I'm not where I was when I was, you know, 15 doing those types of hikes. And so it did kind of mess with me a little bit to realize that I have a limit that is lesser, at least at that point, than what my goals were. Right. And so that was, that was challenging, but also again, a good experience and one that I'm fortunate where I didn't really seriously physically injure myself. So I can look back on it with, um, some humor. Right. At this point. Right. Absolutely. Um, any, any gear upgrades after that first trip of, of coming back from, uh, understanding what you had in the bag versus, Oh, I need this now. Absolutely. Yeah. So your hike with me was kind of the next big one. And in assessing that I kind of went back to the old adage ounces equal pounds, pounds equal pain. Yeah. And I bothered to weigh my old frame pack, which is a great pack. I love it. Tons of miles on it. Still Mm -hmm. a lot of life left in it, but that dang thing weighed more than 10 pounds empty. Jeez. Um, and so I said, well, there's an obvious place that I can help myself there. Um, drop the entrenchment tool, obviously a few things Uh that were, you know, unnecessary clearly. Um, so I upgraded the pack, uh, first thing ended up getting an Osprey. Uh, I think it's a 60 liter. That was a great decision. Uh Really, really good pack. Um, the technology's improved so much. Um, you can't really go wrong, I think, in any of the modern established brands. Um, so that was a good choice. Beyond that, I think it was just, you know, dropping the obvious surplusage and then being a little bit smart about with what I was packing. Because mm-hmm. um, my, my sleeping bag is light enough. I have a good, you know, roll pad. Um, I, uh, probably I overpacked my mess kit. That was a big, just from a space standpoint, Right. I could have done a lot better with that. Not appreciating, even with a 60 liter that you end up having space problems without too much trouble. It's Uh, one of those, it's one of those things. I remember when I was backpacking first that you're so excited about your gear that you're like, I have to bring this. So when I got like my new mess kit, I brought the three pots plus the two thermal cups (laughs) with the measuring cups. And you're like, I have to use all of these on this trip. And then when you like, you think about it and you're sitting there at the trunk of your car packing, you're like, I'm boiling water for two days. Like I don't need all the bells and whistles with this mess kit. 
And I was definitely felt victim to that when I was, you know, buying new gear. You just want to bring it with you. You're so excited for it being a gearhead. So yeah, I think it's a it's one of those if you have a a, a clipped away your bag, that's always helpful before to do that. I know I need to invest in one of those. Um, I've just gotten so comfortable knowing what I really need. And that's just after having so many miles out in the back country of assessing a need versus a, a, a want. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a helpful tip. Yeah. Weighing, weighing's good. Um, going with somebody who has more experience than you is sure. good. I mean, you saved me, uh, getting out on the high Sierras trip with my mess kit, which is exactly what I, you know, I just got this nice new one. Oh yeah. I'm going to bring it. And you know, I remember you looking at me with a little bit of a smirk saying, <laughs> do you really need all that? I think we're yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. And you were absolutely right. And so it was great that I didn't bring that. Um, the other two critical things, which is bizarre. Uh, and I don't know, other people are probably smarter than I am. Um, was just bringing a good sun hat. Right. Um, you know, my pride would have prevented that a while ago. And my wife got that for me. She's like, you're going to wear this or I'm not going to let you go. And I said, okay, but I ended up saving my butt out there, uh, just having a good sun hat. So that was huge. And then, um, you know, just, uh, being a little bit smarter on my clothing, mm-hmm. you know, bringing the right clothes and, and being prepared to be a little bit gross for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was, that was a saver for yeah, sure. Getting back to the hat. I, I, I bring my bonnet is what I call mine. It, <laughs> yeah, it legitimately, it legitimately looks like, I don't know who's, who's famous for wearing bonnets, but I'm, I'm trumping them in terms of my ability to compete with how goofy I look. Um, so yeah, my bonnet plus like the buff. So I'm switching back and forth between the bonnet and the buff, depending on like shade cover. Yeah. And that buff to be able to dip that in water on a hot day and just soak, soak in like, just like that weighs nothing. It's always like a yes to bring that, that thing with me. Um, so yeah, we've, we've kind of, you've, we've mentioned the high Sierra's hike. So we, we have this example from you of, I went and did reflection Canyon off the couch and, and had significant doubts along the way. And then for this, this trip, you came out to the Sierra's with me. Um, we did, like I said, it was about a 25 mile round trip. The first nine miles was, was it 6,000 feet up? Yeah. It's probably the most elevation I've ever covered in, in that amount of miles. And it was, it was brutal. And me <laughs> being somebody who just did the John Muir trail last year thinking I was conditioned enough. And yeah, I did kind of some conditioning beforehand, but I got to mile eight, nine and the elevation just hit me hard. And I was, I was slow too. Um, so yeah, what did you do to get prepped for what you knew would be a a buster of a trail? Yeah. So you had been helpful in trying to help me understand that that was a serious trail again, not having an experiential background with the high Sierras. I don't think I respected it as much as I should have. Um, but I did take it seriously this time finally, which was good because had I not, we would have had major issues. But as far as, um, getting ready physically, I made sure that I was out on the trail every weekend for a good four months before we did that hike. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't doing anything crazy. I didn't put in any big, you know, uh, 10, 10, 20 milers, but I, I was making sure I was doing, 
um, four, five, six, seven, eight kind of thing every week and just knowing where I was at with handling that. And, and with elevation too, right? That was the other big thing. Yeah, yeah. We made, we made sure my wife and I to pick, um, some bigger elevation trails. And the second component of that is I made sure I was packing my youngest kid on my back. So mm-hmm. we, we have a nice little Osprey, um, kid pack. And, uh, that thing probably weighs with him in it. Now it's gotta be 40 plus. Right. And so that's pretty heavy weight. And I was just trying to beat myself up a little bit with that to make sure that I could handle some reasonable distances under significant weight. My plan being that I was going to cut that weight for our trip and hopefully that would make things easy for me. Um, and then the other big thing that I was doing is I was really making sure three days a week I was in, you know, my basement jumping rope. And I can't say that that was, I guess, indicated to me as a good option, but I will say just personally hitting that jump rope for a good 10, 15, 20 minutes. Um, that was, that was a really good choice for me just to make sure that, my joints were there just to make sure that some of the, you know, I could handle legit, you know, aerobic activity. It doesn't sound like a lot of time, um, for something like that, but on a jump rope, if you're going legit, that's, you know, that's, that's real, that's going to cause you to suck wind. Yeah. That's so that's a, that's interesting. I didn't know you're doing that. Um, so you feel like it was a good cardio plus just joint leg, just overall kind of comprehensive. Yeah. And the nice thing about jump rope is you can mix up a lot of different steps in there and tempos and really, you know, kind of make sure your ankles are where they should be. For me, you know, my ankles are a little bit weak. I've right. always had good knees, but, and, and then my hips too. I remember I call it old man hip. I get out there and I do five miles and then I'm just sort of dragging along like I'm 80 years old. Right. Um, just a lot of, uh, you know, soreness there where, where my, you know, those, I, I can't remember what they're called where my they ad- insert into the hips. Or, uh, yeah. Just yeah. the, the outside inserts get real, real tight. Um, and so anyway, that I, I didn't have any of that on our trip, which was, I, I attribute to the jump rope. Nice. Yeah. I'd, and I would kind of segue off of that and say, when I prepared for my long hikes, I I think it's important for you to go assess like what is your issue. And so go do like a long hike um, or one that's challenging in elevation for like three or four miles and just see like what is bothering you the most. Right. So if Absolutely. it's your, if your knees coming downhill, then you now have a workout plan that's based off strengthening your knees if it's, if it's your hamstrings tighten up, or like you said, your hips, like now, you know, what kind of calisthenics, aerobics, et cetera, that you can do to strengthen those before your big trip. And for me, when I was prepping for my long distance trip, I just realized that, you know, I, my legs were fine. My joints were fine. I was just sucking wind. Like I just had to get my cardio up. And so everybody, I think, has to know their body to the point of knowing how to generate your own kind of exercise plan. And so it was for me, it's just running, just getting my lungs to a point of, of feeling like they could keep, keep up with the rest of my body. So I, I think that's my biggest tip 
I, I think that's kind of what you were saying too, of just know what you need to go work on um, and, and do it well in enough advance. Obviously you said four months, I think mine was three months. Um, so yeah, that would, that would be my summary of that for sure. Yeah. I think that's sage advice. And then the other takeaway that I had from our trip together and just my long-term experience is I'm really lucky not to really get hit by altitude at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I live in, in Salt Lake, so I'm yeah, high you're up. 4,200. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, you know, we get up to 10 and I didn't, it, did, it wasn't a difference for me. Right. Um, and I've never had that issue, but a lot of people, if you don't have experience with elevation mm-hmm. and you're going to elevation, you know, you got to pay attention and, and be careful with that sure. early on. That can, that can be killer. Definitely. And we, I think we did that adequately. I don't think we did that exceptionally on our trip to the Sierras. Uh, I'm coming from the Bay Area, so I'm coming at, at sea level. And then we did drive up the night before and at least slept one night. And I think we were at like 4,000. But by 24 hours later, we were at like 10 to 11,000. And yeah. that's where I like, I just lost it in the last two miles because of that elevation uh, difference for myself. So good call out. Um, Let's take a break. If you enjoy Broken Laces, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a fellow friend about the show or share on your favorite social media site, preferably the one where you have the most friends. There's no team here at Broken Laces, just me and I could use the most help spreading the word about the show. There's no team here at Broken Laces, just me and I could use the most help spreading the word about the show. If you'd like to support Broken Laces further, you can do so at patreon.com broken laces. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash broken laces. Pledging as much as you'd like to help offset the cost of producing the show. Consider it like you're buying me coffee or better yet, sharing a granola bar on the trail. Right now, this is a hobby, but I dream about working in the outdoors industry and this could be the gateway. Thanks for listening and back to the show. All right, we're back with Jeremy. Uh, lifetime friend, can I just, is that a good enough intro for you? Lifetime friend? Um, yeah, that warms my heart, I'll take yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Um, and and novice backpacker, intermediate backpacker? I, uh, I feel like I should have prepped that a little bit yeah, better. I like want to stop and restart. You take me from high <laughs> to low, man. I mean, I think I just shed a single tear. Yeah, yeah. Um, Somewhere, yeah, in, somewhere in between. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, you, you got to let me do this characterization. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to cry yeah. for real. Uh, no, it's not It's not totally unfair. I would say, I would say, you know, m- middle of the road, yeah. maybe like 51% better than average. The good thing is, is so we've, I don't think we mentioned the hike we just did and the, the one we talked about in the series. That's the Copper Creek Canyon Trail. Um, Google it. It's it's a buster of a trail because the first, like I said, nine miles, you shoot up 6,000 feet. But once you get to that point, you hit this little plateau, this little basin um, that is just, it's like meadows upon meadows. And then you just have like Sierra, rock, crag everywhere. And we ended up seeing what, like six, seven lakes the next day. We must have, yeah. Yeah. And so you get the Alpine Lake treatment. You kind of, it, it's not a well visited trail because everybody's going to the adjacent Ray Lakes Trail, uh, the loop. And so when we were getting our tickets, there's probably 30 people there and, and 28 of them were going on the Ray, Ray Lakes Loop Trail. Um, so we were by ourselves. I think we saw two, three people for the, the two and a half days we were out there. 
um, beautiful views of, of lakes. And like I said, we stayed kind of along the rim and we kind of made our own trail, which was really cool. Um, I don't do that often enough. So it's, it's worth checking out if you're in King Canyon National Park. Um, the Ray Lakes is an amazing loop trail. I've done it. Uh, but this Copper Creek, uh, if you just want to get a workout in um, and challenge yourself to a new level, I think the reason I'm bringing this up is you're not a novice backpacker if you do that type of trail and you get, you get out alive without any serious <laughs> injuries, which I think we both did. Um, I know the last two miles down, we were... I need to come up with a term. The last two miles are like the hardest miles because you're just thinking of the car the whole time. Um, <laughs> we need to come up with a phrase for what those two miles are. But uh, yeah, we got out and um, lived to tell about it. So I would I would say no novice backpacker does that trail. All right. Well, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'd love to get into your you're hiking with, with your kids now. So not only are you kind of getting back to it and, and getting that itch, but you're also bringing your kids along for the ride, just like your dad did. So like, what, what does that look like? I don't have kids. I'm, I'm hoping some of my listeners are curious about this. Like what do you need to bring toys with them to like entertain them? Do you, you need to bring like some cool snacks to like keep them engaged? Are, are you just kind of lugging them around and letting them take it in? Like what's, what's the strategy here? Yeah, it's it's like everything with kids. You just sort of wing it, and then you know you hope they don't you know, end up with blood on their face. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean we uh, we ended up getting the kid carrier number one because yeah. our youngest was um, probably about a little over a year when we really started to haul him out, and so we needed that. Um, wasn't realistic to do one of those, you know, papoose things that you drive them around town in. And so we got the kid carrier, which is a great gear choice. Um, that Osprey one, I, I, there are other manufacturers, but, um, wow, that's just a really great pack. I, I you know, I, I sound like an Osprey shill person, but, uh, it's just really well designed, super comfortable. Mm -hmm. There's a little sunshade for the kiddo in there built in. There's a pocket in the back where you can throw, you know, your snacks. So yeah, we, that was good. And then we're, we're bringing like a little, um, you know, a little throw blanket. So when we get up to where we're going, we can throw that down. The kids can run around. Um, we can sit down and eat. We bring snacks for them, overpack the water. Right. And for me, it was, you know, kind of, I guess, willing self-abuse because I wanted to bring a lot of weight, um, to help me, condition for the sure. things that I want to do solo. But, uh, yeah, our oldest kid, he's, he was about four when we started in earnest and he's five now, but, uh, he's a trooper. He's great. Uh, I guess we're just lucky where, you know, he just wants to put the miles on and yeah, he just keeps up. I mean, we've done eight miles round trip with him and nice. he got tired, you know, yeah. he, he had a hard time, started to fall there kind of at the end. Um, but you know, overall he's just been fantastic. And it's funny because when we started with him, there was zero complaints and now he complains. Uh, he says, yeah. every time you say we're going to go on a short hike, it ends up being long. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so he kind of knows that there's a little, you know, adult deception happening there. Um, I think, I think adults do that to adults. We, you always pick on the person who, who's kind of done with the hike and you're like, Oh, it's just like a couple more hundred yeah. yards, you know, no big deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he's got a sense for that now, but even, even then, even though we are getting a little bit more of a, uh, I'm a kid and I'm going to complain about it just because he's still doing good. He's still coming out with us and he looks forward to it. He likes driving up into the mountains, but yeah, really it's just, you know, if you want to bring your kids, bring them and, and, and make them participate. Uh, that's, that's the thing. I mean, sometimes they're going to complain. Sometimes they're going to get scraped. Sometimes they're not going to have the legs that you want to right. do the, the hike. But the big thing for us is, you know, we've, we haven't let those excuses really get in the way. I mean, they've, sure. they've got to come do it and, uh, they enjoy it. It, it ultimately, that yeah, that's like going to be it. my question is just what the reaction is like either getting in the car. Cause sometimes it's getting in the car and it's like, thank you, dad, we're done with that. Um, or it's like the next day and they're like, wow, that was really fun. It's, it's the same thing we do, right? Like you, you kind of hate yourself during it. Um, and then afterwards you reflect back and you're like, wow, hey dad, can I do that? Like, when's the next hike? Is there any sorts of like reflection that you get from them or, or at least signs of encouragement that they, they want to go again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll drive by the mountains and they, you know, my oldest now, he kind of knows where we've driven up and he'll Mm -hmm. say, daddy, that's where we go into the mountains. That's the Canyon. Um, and he says it happy. He doesn't say it like he remembers me (laughs) cracking a whip behind him. Um, so that's good. And, um, yeah, I mean, we say we're going to go on a hike and he's, you know, he understands and he's ready to go. He'll go get his shoes on and, and, and he, he's happy to, happy to go do it. And you know, we only get the complaints once we're up there. Sure. Um, or if it's a little bit steeper than usual, he'll have a little bit of a hard time. One of the interesting tricks that we found is if you bring him out with another kid that's his age, yeah. though they will motivate each other and you will yeah. have so many fewer issues. Um, now they'll still get tired and they'll still start to lose their footing and maybe get scraped up and beat up a little bit. Um, so you got to be careful with them and, and know their limits. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you, you know, the times we've gone out with him with a friend, they have just chewed up the miles. Right. And it, it's been fantastic. I, I said this just like three minutes ago, but it sounds entirely the same for adult hikers. Yeah. Not absolutely. having kids like, yeah, you do better when you're hiking with a friend. That makes total sense to me. Or like you still have to do all the same things. You got to bring the right things to to keep engaged and you have to bring snacks. The snacks are probably a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I'm glad they're taking it up. Um, and yeah, it's something that you probably get to share with your dad too. Like it's a, it's a, a kind of a lineage thing that you guys can continue to build and, and make a tradition out of. Well, and it's funny you say that because the next hike that I really want to do is with my father to try to maybe complete that loop just a little right. bit. So let's, let's talk about that. What's the next What's the next thing for you? You did Reflection Canyon, like you said, about a year ago, Southern Utah, hot, red rocks. And then you come over to the Sierras, you do white slabs of granite, um, elevation, uh, lakes, alpine lakes. So like what's, what's next? So I think the next one that I want to do is Hanging Lake. I think it's up in the Teton National Forest there. Um, That's the hike I want to do with my, my father. He lives, um, just outside of the Wind River Range right. in Wyoming, which Beautiful. is my my favorite mountain range, I right. think, in the world. And um, Hanging Lake is is up in that range, and uh, it's just a little bit more of a kind of a 
I guess it's hard to describe because I haven't been there, but from what I understand, there's a little bit of elevation, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably 10 miles, um, I think, in. And so there's some distance there, but it's not crushing. And um, a little bit more verdant, you know, it's it's a interesting kind of just a, a, a little bit greener, more of a lusher, I think, as I understand, forest area. Um, and so I'm excited to do that. I think it's something that would be slightly challenging for me, but certainly something that's not going to beat me up. And then, you know, my dad is still extremely capable, but he's slowing down a little bit. And so I want to make sure that it's something that we can do together. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I'm excited about. Nice. Well, thanks for, uh, joining the first pod. We covered, um, you know, you getting into backpacking, uh, I guess I'll call it shape, but you, you kind of getting the itch back. We talked a little bit about uh, the kiddos and uh, what your next hike was. I do want to end. This is my new segment. And by new, it's our first podcast. So I, I don't know how it could be an old segment. Um, it's called Trails and Ales. And I want to leave every guest with either you sharing me, sharing with the audience, you know, what is a favorite hike of yours that you'd recommend that we haven't already talked about or a favorite brewery. I, I, I think breweries are such a, a cultural hub for backpacking and hiking. It seems like every time you get off the trail, like the first stop is a brew pub. Um, so yeah, I like, I like the rhyme of trails and ales and I'd love to hear either a, a brewery or a hike that you'd love to share with the listeners. Oh, absolutely. Well, before we start that, I don't want your first podcast to be marred by an error on my part. So my <laughs> hike that I want to do is called Island Lake, not Hanging Lake. Gotcha. Um, boy, I, you know, I was going to, I was going to ruin this. Yeah. Uh, we would have had to start over. Big save. Um, yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll go with a brewery. Um, I'm not an accomplished hiker yeah. uh, by any means. So uh, there's a local brewery here that just opened up, um, uh, Kitas. They, uh, okay. you know, I think if I had to describe them, they're trying to be more environmentally sound, environmentally responsible. Um, they installed a really great high-tech uh, system where they're nice. using substantially less water. There's substantially less waste. The waste that they do have um, is essentially you can just pour it down the drain, right? right, right. Um, and so there's a lot less of an impact. They're doing aluminum cans across the board, no bottles. Nice. Um, we can get beer snobby about that, but, yeah. um, ultimately I think that's a, it's a good ethos and one that you're seeing out of a lot of more, you know, independent craft brewers, which it, I think that's a big deal. It's important, uh, especially in conjunction with when we care about the outdoors, but, uh, Kitas is great. Uh, I can't tell you that they have a bad beer on their nice. slate. Yeah. They've only been open for a year now. But boy, they've got everything. They go from, you know, like a really nice blonde ale that you could just drink whenever, wherever and feel great about to um, they've got like an imperial stout. They're doing like a northeastern style IPA. Yeah, hazy. Yeah, hazy. And then they get away a little bit from that really pungent northwestern style hops that's sort of taken over everything Mm -hmm. to a little bit more of a. A tropical yeah yeah less bitey hop on the yeah. beer and uh boy they're just killing it it's they're they're great so that it's, would be my plug for for a brewery and it's kitas how do you spell kitas so it is k-i-i-t-o-s it's finnish and if i remember right i think it means um thank you okay 
And that's really, you know, they're thankful for the world. They're thankful to be able to brew beer. They're thankful for customers. And, and they've really done a fantastic job growing um, like crazy because they have a great product. And, and uh, I think they found the right type of market to go with that. So that's, if you're in the Salt Lake area, and I know they're doing bigger distribution now, check them out. You really can't go wrong. Nice. And I know we're going to have like our first Finnish listener soon, and they're just going to call you out on that translation. <laughs> like it's going to be, it's going to be like in a couple of weeks, I'm going to get an email about this. Yeah. Forward it to me. Yeah. I will, uh, I will yeah. make apologies yeah. and, and I can go talk to them and, and get the, uh, yeah. I'll get a, a nice Finnish uh, apology note nice. written up and squared it, squared away. It's in the Salt Lake City area. Kitas yep. um, serves a wide range of beers. It sounds like um, that they do distribute. Like we're talking Bevmos. Are we talking just Utah range? Um, I don't know the limits of their distribution right. right now. I know they're trying to branch out. I mean, they've only been in business a year, and most breweries go out of business in that time. Right. These guys I know are doing really, really well. And so they've got um, statewide distribution. You can find them, I think, in Smith stores, okay. Harmon stores, Maverick gas stations. Oh, nice. And then um, they're not in the state liquor stores yet. And there's a whole long laundry list of reasons for that. But they do have, um, you know, a tap room down at their brewery. Um, you can go pick up what you want right there at the store if you're in the area and you can sample. They do really great firkins. Okay. Um, so I had like a, um, jalapeno and Serrano infused, uh, wheat beer that was maybe my favorite beer ever, wow. uh, right there at the tap room. They're doing a lot of great fun stuff there. They do it, you know, kind of events over the weekend. You can check them out on Facebook. And then I do know they're, they're looking at getting a little bit more broad, uh, distribution. And I think honestly, without, you know, sounding like a true be- believer, they're, their product level is is good enough that I think they are going to start to see real distribution where you could start to find them, you know, Minneapolis, sure. uh, West Coast, sure. East Coast, hopefully here pretty quick. Nice. And I like that's that might be the first plug like that the podcast ever had. So that's, All right. this is a, a success. I want to thank you for coming on. Um, I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. And then hopefully our listeners enjoyed it as well. Great. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Cool. Thanks, Jeremy.